Hello and welcome to another beautiful Friday on Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen and here's your host, Andrew Gominson. Hey Dan, this is Andrew and I'm very glad to be with you guys. Uh, a few weeks ago we started a series called Questions Jesus Asked. And the reason that I chose to start this series is because I've often thought about that. You know, how often do you pass someone in the hall or you see them at church and you um, stop to talk to them and you say, how are you doing? And what do they usually say? I'm fine. They usually say, I'm fine. And then either you ask a further question um, or often you just pass on to the next person who then says, I'm fine. How are you? And you don't I'm really, fine. and you don't really dig very deep. But I found that Jesus, while he may sometimes have asked questions like that, more often than not, he asked a question that required an answer. So he stayed away from yes or no questions because he he doesn't want to hear yes or no. He wants to hear our hearts, and he also wants us to know what we believe because he knows everything. It's kind of like um what. You know, how he knows everything that we need, yet he still wants to hear from us. He still wants us to pray and ask him for things because that's the basis of a relationship. Um, if I say that someone is important to me, but we never talk or we only talk once every six months or once every year, they're not very important to me at that point. Um, so I think that it's important for us to realize and to think about some of the things that Jesus asked. So that we, as his followers, Lord willing, can answer them. Um, and so that's really what speaking for him is about, is encouraging the Christ follower to continue to, to follow Christ. And so the first question that we're going to deal with in this series is, who do you say I am? And Dan, can you give us a quote of the day? Indeed. He saith unto them. But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew sixteen fifteen and 16. All right. So there was a, a famous quote, and I wish I had pulled it up for this podcast. I don't know why I didn't. But I was thinking about it when I wrote this episode. And the question was, basically... Who is Jesus? But I, but not, but I'm not focusing on the question as much as the response. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said it this way: "There's only basically three possible things for Jesus to be: either a liar, or a lunatic, or the Lamb of God. Those are, you know, he basically said he's either a liar or a lunatic, or who he says he he is." Because a lot of times people say, will say something like, I respect Jesus as a good teacher, but Jesus claimed to be God. Therefore, if you don't believe that he's God, you can't believe that he's a good teacher because good teachers don't lie to you. <laughs> or at least um, I still think for the majority of people, they would not call a good teacher someone who lied. If a U.S. history teacher was teaching in a school and they didn't, tell you anything that actually happened in history, they would not keep their job. No, they'd get fired real quick. So it's important for truth to be part of being a good teacher. So therefore, if he says, I am God, he can't be a good teacher. Um, and of course, some people call him a lunatic 
Um, but when you realize, when you read what he said, and you realize, uh, some people would say who heard him, no one spoke like this man, you realize that he's not a lunatic, so that leaves only one thing, that he's the Lamb of God, that he is who he said he was. So we're going to look at these individually, one by one. So, um, first is liar. Dan, could you read that verse? Yep. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came, and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither I go. Ye judge fle- you judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. And for some reason, I did not get the reference in the notes. I will make sure to look that up and have that for the blog post. But I believe that is in John chapter 8, where he would later say, uh, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Because they were constantly challenging him, and uh, he was able to refute them at every turn. They always were trying to trip him up and get him to say things that weren't true or get him to lean heavily to one side and not the other. But he was very good about making sure that he gave fair audience to both sides of an issue and um, talked about them fairly. Like when they said, should we not honor Caesar? He said, honor Caesar with the things that are Caesar, but honor God with the things that are God's. So he never tells us not to honor our governmental authorities. He only says, don't let the government authority supersede your relationship with God. Indeed. So the next one is lunatic. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, he is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, he hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. Mark three twenty through 22. The interesting thing about Jesus is that he could respond to what was in people's hearts. I think about the religious leaders who were sitting in the house uh, listening to him teach, and all of a sudden the roof tiles start getting pulled off the roof. Now, granted, these were probably like straw roofs or whatever, but they're pulling off the roof because they want to let their lame friend down to meet Jesus. And Jesus says, rise up and walk. Well, first he says, your sins are forgiven you. And then they start grumbling in their minds. And he's like, well, why are you grumbling in your minds? Is it easier to say rise up and walk? Or is it, well, or is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? And then the lame man gets up and starts walking. And you would think that them, him responding to their thoughts and not even just their words, that they would uh, realize that they were wrong and acknowledge who he was. But they were stubborn. But they were stubborn, and they, by and large, chose not to, although we do read in Acts that a great many of the priests, according to Acts chapter 6, a great many of the priests came to the faith. So... There was definitely some movement among them 
to come to the faith and faith and of course Paul was was from the Sanhedrin so um he was uh definitely effective in sharing who he was with those that would listen but he didn't waste his time with those who didn't listen you know if we look through uh the Christmas story uh, because it, it's kind of that time of year we can think about <laughs> the fact that he went to unlikely places. He went to, he revealed to an old man named Simeon, I, you're not going to die until you see uh, the Lord's Christ. He went to a young maiden named Mary and said, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. He went to an older woman named Elizabeth and she, he was, she was told, even though you're barren, even though people think you're washed up, you're still going to bear a really important child and he's going to be a great prophet for me. Um, he went to Zechariah and Zechariah was so disbelieving that the angel said, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak until your child is born, you know, but there are so many places that a conventional king might've gone to declare themselves that he didn't go. He didn't go to Herod to nope. say, I'm the king of the Jews. He didn't go to any sort of royalty and, and be born in a palace. He was born in a manger. Um, he was, well, he was born in a, you know, cold field or a stable. Uh, you know, we're not really sure exactly what the conditions were, but we know that he was placed in a, a feeding trough for animals, a manger where he, where the shepherds were told they would find him. And, um, and again, like I said uh, earlier, and I know I've or I know I've mentioned this on another podcast, people would call him a lunatic, but then other people who were following him would say things like, "No one ever spoke like this man." So you know they knew deep in their heart of hearts that he wasn't a lunatic. I mean, if you look at the story of the woman caught in adultery, he starts writing on the ground. And we don't know exactly what they wrote, but what he wrote, but we know they were so convicted that they dropped their stones and walked away one by one from the oldest to the, from the, um, it was in birth order. I'm, I'm not sure if it was the youngest to the oldest. I think it was possibly the oldest to the youngest that they just walked away because they were convicted by what he said. So he definitely spoke with wisdom and even when he was 12 years old, they said he was he was um, showing, like the psalmist said, that he was wiser than all of his teachers. Of course, they probably didn't realize, by and large, that they were talking to the creator of the universe. <laughs> but it's a very interesting story when you think about it. And all right. So on these first two things... Do you have any thoughts before we move on to the third? I realize I haven't included you that in the conversation <laughs> that much, Dan. So now you're kind of tripping over yourself. Um, well, to bring up the uh, the examples, you, which were kind of different from what I had read out, but the example uh, that you first had of the man whose friends uh, cut open a roof to let him in. Um, these roofs probably weren't um, thatch in that area. They're probably kind of an adobe. But even so, no matter what it is, they cut a giant hole in somebody's roof to let their friend in who's 
legs were described to me by uh, one account as being, uh, since he's described as crippled from birth, they're described as withered. Like he didn't really have any muscle in his legs. And then Jesus says, you know, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees that are grumbling and kind of, you know, being jerks about the whole thing. Is it easier to just tell a man he's forgiven his sins or tell him to get up and walk? And the guy who, you know, his legs have never worked, gets up, walks away. Uh, does anybody not feel like this is kind of awesome? <laughs> you know? And is, he does that repeatedly. Yeah. And over I'll, and over again. And obviously there were certain people who didn't think it was awesome. Yeah, well, that's because they're jealous. <laughs> Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they, they didn't say, this guy's evil, we need to stop him. They said, he sways the people away from us. Yep. And from our position of authority. Yep. And I just thought that the when they, when they <coughs> decided to accuse him of lunacy, they told him, they said that by the prince of devils, he casts out devils. And uh, even from a little kid, I thought that was kind of ironic and, you know, dumb because that doesn't quite make sense. Well, and he will later, if you read the whole passage, he later talks about a house divided against itself. Yeah. Cannot stand, you know, and, and which then was immortalized by Abraham Lincoln in his speech about the civil war and the recovery therefrom. Yep. So, um, that is, that is very significant. All right. Our final point is lamb of God. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man, which is preferred before me for he was before me. John one verses 29 and 30. All right, well, and this one is probably in some ways the most self-explanatory, but John uh, the Baptist was given a really keen insight into who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, when they were still babies in the womb and Mary entered Elizabeth's house, it says that John leaped in the womb. So the first acknowledgement of who Jesus was was from an unborn baby, which I think is just really stunning and awesome, especially as I am passionate about the pro-life movement. Yep. And you got to remember um, that Elizabeth was already 90 years old. Well, I'm not sure exactly how old she was. I just know that she was past the time of childbearing and was definitely considered barren. And it was interesting how God took one person in an impossible circumstance and used her to minister to Mary, who was also in an impossible circumstance. Yep. Um, and then uh, John the Baptist just puts it out there, even though he has the possibility, and it does happen, of losing discipleship and losing followers. Um, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And... Then he says, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man who is before before me, for he was before me. And so, and it's interesting that he says that because biologically he was six months older, uh -huh. but he was acknowledging the eternal nature of 
God and the eternal nature of Jesus by saying that because Jesus existed before he chose to put on human flesh. And then he put on human flesh, lived a normal human 33-year life, died on the cross, and was buried and rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And so really what you have here is uh, opportunity. Are you going to see Jesus as a liar? Are you going to see him as a lunatic? Or are you going to see him as he is, the Lamb of God? Your eternal destiny relies on your answer to this question. So I hope that you will consider the things that we have talked about. And we'll be back within the next few weeks or so with another question Jesus asked. And we will try to unpack it with you then as well. Do you have any final thoughts, Dan? Nope, I don't think so. All right. Well, with that, I will just say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.